satisfied uh, hunger. Uh, there is farming going on at that time. And people were in great need. And so the church in Judea or the church in Jerusalem, which was made up mainly of Jews, was in serious crisis. Uh, and they, they had no food. So the believers at that time, led by Paul and Peter, decided to do a fundraising to go and help the church in Judea. Now, the Macedonian church also was in a crisis. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, who were a rich church, that the Macedonians, who were a poor church, did far better than the Corinthian church. Because although they were poor, they really went out to to meet the needs of the church in Jerusalem. And Paul is saying that they, they were begging, they were begging with urgency that they would also be givers. Can you imagine that? People who are begging, they say, we also want to help. Now I want you to note two things about the church in Macedonia, which we see in the passage. The first we see is the world they lived in. The world they lived in. And it is described in two ways. First, the Bible says that they lived in a world of great trial of affliction. Great trial of affliction. They were living in hard times. Hard times. The economy is bad. The city is losing value. That's the kind of thing that the Macedonians were living in. It was hard times. People had no food. There was persecution. There was hunger. It was a harsh time, especially for them. The second thing the Bible says about the world of the Macedonians is that they had deep poverty. Deep poverty. Not just poverty, but deep poverty. And if you read that phrase that is translated deep poverty in English, if you read it in the Greek, it, it, it means poverty unto death. They were poor unto death. So this is not a nice poverty uh, where you can say, oh, we can cope. This is, this is poverty that kills. Starvation. People were literally dying in the streets of Macedonia. People didn't have food. So it was extreme, extreme poverty. The Bible calls it deep poverty or poverty unto death. So here it is. They are living in a time of great hardship. There is shortage of food. There is persecution spiritually. And it's affected each one of them. And people are literally dying in the church. And in that state of poverty and hardship, they still wanted to give to other people. And so the Bible describes not just their wealth, but their heart. And look at how the Bible describes their heart. It describes their heart, number one, as having joy. They had abundance of joy. They were a joyful church. Not a complaining church. They worshiped God joyfully. Although there was great need there. There was great hunger. But in their hearts they loved Jesus. They loved the Lord. They wanted to serve God. They were a happy church. Although they had a lot of need. And that's a, quite an interesting commentary. That although there may be lack on the outside of us. In the inside of us we can have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the Macedonian church had didn't have money 
but they were joyful and as a result of their joyfulness you see the second attitude of the macedonian church the bible calls it the riches of their liberality the riches of their liberality in other words they were such a generous church you will look at them and think they were prosperous they, they, they give and you look at them and you think wow these people have money but they were actually in deep poverty but their giving was like the giving of a rich person the riches of their liberality and the reason is because they had a joyful life although everything around them was dark and that's why the apostle paul writes to the corinthian church and says learn from the macedonians they live in great affliction they had deep poverty but in their hearts they were joyful and when you see them giving you think they are very rich people i believe that we must have the attitude of the macedonian church so that when we announce for example that we're going to have a food storehouse and that we're going to give to people some people don't sit back and say well as for me i'm poor as far as we are poor we are waiting for the rich people to give and then we will receive no we have to have the attitude of the macedonian church so that even if you are poor you still say i want to be part of this because one thing about life you can guarantee there is somebody poorer than you there is somebody definitely poorer than you you may think you're the poorest person in town look around somebody is poorer than you and when you find the person who is poorer than you there is somebody poorer than them and when you find them there is another one poorer than them and you find them you find there is somebody poorer than them because there is always going to be somebody worse off than you are so you don't look at your own case and think this is the end there is none like me and as a result I'm just waiting for people to give to me. We are going to be like the Macedonian church. We are in need. We have affliction. We have deep poverty. But we have the joy of the Lord. And we still want to give to other people. If we have that spirit. Then in a church like this. If we have the Macedonian spirit. Then there is going to be joy here. And no member of this church. Will go to bed. Hungry. No member. Jesus told us to pray that when we pray we should ask God give us this day our daily bread. That is a prayer that must be answered. That for every child of God their daily bread will be met. Their daily need will be met. But it's going to be met if the church has a Macedonian heart, a Macedonian spirit that says we have deep poverty there is great affliction but we have the joy of the Lord and we are going to be generous. We are going to be rich in our liberality that is a spirit that i believe god wants us to have and that's the spirit i want to encourage each one of us to have so that in this house we can say that out there in ghana there is great affliction out there in our community there is great affliction but in the house of god there is bread and there is joy and there is abundance because the people have a different spirit the spirit of generosity you don't wait to be rich to be generous generosity is an attitude of the heart not a condition of the pocket there are people who have money who are not generous and there are people who have no money who are generous all of us remember i don't know uh, how many of you uh, how old you are but you know when when i was growing up 
in most of the neighborhoods poverty was eradicated i mean i didn't think we we're doing that but when there was hunger here there was food there I, you know you just close from school and somebody's mother would feed you you go to somebody's house they're cooking some food they give you some food and that was the time we had nothing now that money has come nobody gives to anybody <laughs> you know we've become very very self-centered but we can with the spirit of generosity create an example and i'm going to show you two examples further examples in the bible two models the first one is what i call compassionate acts for us to make our faith work there has to be compassionate acts we have to do things out of compassion and there is no better example than the example jesus gave in luke chapter 10 from verse 30 to 36 the story of the man we have come to call the good samaritan although the bible doesn't call him good samaritan the bible just calls him a certain samaritan that means he's just a normal human being but his normal is so extraordinary we call him the good samaritan Luke chapter 10 verse 30 to 36 let's read the story it says then Jesus answered and said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing wounded him and departed leaving him half dead now by chance a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side likewise a Levite when he arrived at the place came and looked and passed by on the other side but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion note that he had compassion so he went to him bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him on the next day when he departed he took two denarii gave them to the innkeeper and said to him take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again I'll repay you so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves i think you know the answer now you have to get a, a little background of of this the samarians or the samaritans were not liked by the jews the jews considered the samaritans second class citizens because the samaritans were not pure blood the samaritans were mixed blood they came about because of the split in the northern and the, and the southern kingdom and and so the samaritans were jews who had mixed up and 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 the jews thought that these were not these are inferior jews or these are not really smart guys like us so jesus tells the parable of a man who's traveling from jerusalem to jericho in the days of jesus the road from jerusalem to jericho was a very very dangerous route because people got attacked on that road there were robbers in the mountains in the hills who would attack people and this man was going from jerusalem to jericho and he fell among thieves they beat him stripped him of his clothes took his money and left him for dead and uh, the first person who came by was a pastor and the pastor came and 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 I, I, maybe he was a bishop uh, he came by and saw the man uh, who, who had been beating and uh, the pastor just looked at the man and and just went to the other side of the road he was saving his skin I mean, it's not a bad idea i mean 
people get beating and you look at him you don't know what is happening you don't know whether the thieves are still hiding in the mountains and they'll come and attack you so the pastor says i trust god but i'm smart so let this man die and let me save myself because I, I, my congregation needs me alive so pastor looks at the need and pastor turns on the other side doesn't help him physically prays for him maybe that's a sign of the cross or just stands afar and says in the name of Jesus I speak blessing upon you and leaves the man alone so pastor goes by and the second guy who comes is a Levite a deacon uh, he's in the church he's a prayer warrior he leads the intercessors and, and he, he's, he's, a, he's a brother on fire for Jesus but he sees the need and he says yeah I love Jesus but this is a dangerous thing and he goes on the other side so the third guy who comes is a Samaritan Samaritans they have no dealings with Jews he, he doesn't have to support him he doesn't have to do anything about him but it's the Samaritan who goes out to help him and Jesus says of these three the pastor the deacon and the unbeliever who do you think was a good neighbor and obviously it wasn't the pastor it wasn't the deacon it was the unbeliever you know sometimes righteousness is found more outside the church than in the church so let's learn a few things from the Samaritan if you're going to show compassion to people in need you have to identify with the condition of the needy you have to identify with the condition of the needy the Samaritan was on the same journey as the wounded man he was literally walking where the man had walked although he had not experienced what the man had experienced he had not been beaten but he was on the journey he understood that journey and he understood the dangers of the journey you cannot understand people until you walk where they walk you don't have to experience what people experience for you to have compassion because there are people who have not experienced much difficulty in life there are people who have never missed one meal in their lives involuntarily they may mix it voluntarily because they were fasting but involuntarily they've never missed a meal there are people who have never known a day of hunger never now some of you would say hey that's not possible oh yeah yeah there's a different world from yours there are people who have never experienced poverty in life never missed a meal there are people who have never had a bill not paid there are people who have never been sacked for school fees there are people who have never never had the electricity cut or the water cut because they couldn't pay their bill there are other people for whom this is a normal life as a matter of fact if if they come home and there is food they say what's wrong <laughs> they, 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 they don't understand living in a world of lack there are people like that and that, that's fine God wants us to prosper living with hunger shouldn't be normal but the fact that you haven't had 
pain and you haven't had hunger does not mean you can't imagine how it feels like so even if you haven't gone through what the person can go has gone through you have to imagine what life will be for that person so the Samaritan he hadn't been beating but he could imagine what it feels like when you have been beating when you've been stripped naked you've lost your clothes you lost your money and, and your family doesn't know where you are he hasn't gone through that but he could imagine it it's called compassion compassion is when you say I, I am not going through what you're going through but I can feel what you feel I share your feeling I share what you're going through I don't know it but I can imagine if I was in such a situation this is how I would feel that's the first step if you're going to be a person that helps is that you stand outside of yourself and you feel what other people feel it's called compassion that's what the Samaritan had he had compassion and for you to show that you have compassion you have to get involved you can't say I have compassion but I'm not gonna get involved I have compassion but that doesn't concern me it concerns you we have to get involved I mean we all come to church we all sing the same songs we all worship the same Lord we all lift up the, our hands to the same Lord we all have Jesus in our hearts we all have the Holy Spirit and one is going through profound need that can easily be answered by somebody without even losing anything I mean what somebody spends as luxury for one meal one day can feed a family for one month and we all love the same Jesus and I don't say that if you have rich riches be guilty for God blessing you thank God for what you have but also think of others who don't have that something little on your part which may not cost you much it may cost you just ice cream it may cost you just uh, not going to watch a movie it may just something like that can be a miracle for somebody if you haven't been hungry before you don't understand hunger I'll never forget when I visited somebody once years ago and the person was going to eat and he says I don't really know whether I should eat the chicken or I should do the corned beef stew and I said do people really have choice <laughs> I mean it was a huge culture shock for me I said what and the children I said oh, I don't like chicken I've eaten chicken too I never thought anybody would ever say I've eaten chicken too much chicken too much ah. I'm tired of chicken hey <laughs> tired of chicken <laughs> I remember so well I was so shocked I didn't know such a world existed but this world is round I'm telling you <laughs> there are people living on other sides you don't see they eat chicken and they get tired 
I remember years ago I was chatting with somebody and the person says, you know, I've been to, I've been to London too much. I'm tired. Those days I hadn't traveled before. I said, you are tired. You are tired. <laughs> you are tired of playing. <laughs> the world is round. <laughs> Although you may not feel it, although you may not be the one beaten by the roadside, but you are the light, like the Samaritan, you show compassion and you show compassion because you get involved in people's lives. It's good to get involved in people's lives. It's always a difficult thing, but we must get involved. That's what the Samaritan did. The third thing is that if we're going to really show compassion, we have to commit resources to meet the need. We have to commit resources. The Samaritan committed resources. He committed time, money, expertise. Spent on behalf of the man he didn't know. He paid for the bill, the first part, and came back to settle the rest of the bill for a man he didn't know. And Jesus says, that's what we're supposed to be. You don't need to know the person. It doesn't have to be a relative for you to help them. We are children of God. We belong to Jesus. And we help one another. Compassion is shown by the Good Samaritan. There's another example. And this is about doing acts of charity. Doing things out of kindness. Out of good intention. And the story is in the book of Acts chapter 9 verse 36 to 42. It's a story about a lady called... Dorcas, who was a helper in the church. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 42. It says, At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works, and I want you to note that she was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he came, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when Peter, when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. If you're going to really show acts of charity, the first thing is you have to have genuine love for people. Genuine love for people. I like how the Bible speaks about Dorcas Tabitha, that she was full of goodness. She wasn't just doing it, she was full of it. It was her nature. She was filled with it. Because if we don't love people, then whatever we do is just a show. First Corinthians 13 verse 3 says, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Good deeds without genuine love is emptiness before God. We're not doing a show. We're helping people. 
And if you're helping people, you must have genuine love for people. Full of good works. Really have it in your heart that you want to make somebody's life better. And each one of us can have that. Each one of us can cultivate that. That we can say, I want to make somebody's life better. I want to make sure somebody goes to bed without, uh, nobody goes to bed without food. I don't want any family, at least a family in my church, to go to bed hungry. Because they couldn't have enough for their table. We have to commit to genuine love. Secondly, we have to help the disadvantaged with our talents. Dorcas helped with her talent. She wasn't a millionaire. She didn't have so much. She just knew how to sew. And so she sewed tunics and distributed them to widows. And that's what she was doing just while she was alive. She wasn't a bank manager. Just somebody who knows how to sew. And she decided, let me just help the widows in my church. I don't know how frequently she did it. Maybe once a month or once a week or once a quarter. She'd give people a dress that she sewed for them. And so when she died, they came showing forth her good works. Let's use our resources and our talents. Let's use what God has given to us to help people. For some of us, it may not be a tunic, but it may be a bag of rice that you say, let me donate uh, to, to the storehouse, or a bag of sugar, or some crates of oil, or something else that you have, some canned fish, just to help people. And say, let me give this, and when you're giving to the needy, don't give things that are not wholesome. Because sometimes when we want to give to the needy, we give things that we know are not useful. Don't poison the needy. They're already hungry. Don't give them expired food. Don't, don't give them expired medicines. He's already hungry. He's already in need. Don't complicate his problem. Let's go out of our hearts with goodwill and say, if I'm going to give to the needy, I want to give something that is noble because I'm giving as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus was hungry, what would I give him? If Jesus came and said, I'm, I don't have food to eat, would you give him rotten food? Would you give him expired food? Now, if we don't give, we won't give that to Jesus, then we can give that to a child of God as well. So, you give with your talents. Third, when you give, you don't expect reward from those who help you. From those you help. Dorcas wasn't giving tunics, waiting for tunics. She just gave to the people. But although she wasn't expecting it, when she died, they didn't want her to die. They were holding the testimony of her life before her. Peter was sent for. I don't think Peter was sent to come and raise her. I think Peter was just sent to come and attend a funeral and honor the memory of Dorcas. But when Peter got there and saw the good works of Dorcas, 
He said, this woman needs to be alive and raised there from the dead. There are people who die that people wish were alive. And there are people who are alive that nobody wishes they stay alive. <laughs> because they are wicked. Wicked. They don't do any good thing. But this woman dies and people want her to be alive. Are there people who wish you were alive? Or the people around you say, as for this way, if he goes, we don't mind. Are there people who are praying that you stay alive? Are there people who are praying and interceding that God keeps you alive because your life is of benefit Dorcas's life was such that people didn't want her to die they couldn't live her, they couldn't accept her death because of her acts of charity we have to live in our lives in such a way that people are glad that we are alive People are glad. People should be happy that we are alive. People, when they see us, they should say, Ah, it's good to see him. It's good to see her. We shouldn't live our lives where people see us and say, Ah, again. Dorcas, acts of charity. So we looked at the church in Macedonia. We looked at the example. We looked at the good Samaritan. We looked at Dorcas. That is what the Bible tells us to do. But the question is, why don't we do it? Why don't we share? Because sometimes those who have need act in ways that discourage those who can give. The spirit of generosity can be killed by certain attitudes in the needy. People who have need can destroy the opportunities that God gives for them to have their needs met. So I'm going to talk about, in closing, five killers of generosity. Five attitudes among the needy that kills the spirit of generosity. Because many times we want to help, but we don't help because people put up certain attitudes that makes it difficult for us to help. So, if you want this church to be a Macedonian church, if this you want this church to be a Samaritan church, if you want this to be a Dorcas church, where there is generosity, there is acts of charity, then it's not just those who give who must give, but those who receive must also have the right attitude. It's reciprocal. And there are five things that I believe that we have to kill. And I want everybody to listen to me carefully. These five. Number one is deception. Using false pretenses. Deception. That's why God had to take out Ananias and Sapphira. Because they were using deception. In a time of great de generosity, they were introducing deception. Deception. Deception is when we are using false pretenses. Honesty and trust are the bedrocks of all healthy relationships. When they are present, relationships flourish. When they are absent, relationships don't flourish. Usually when you want to help somebody, the first thing that comes into your mind is, is he or she genuine? 
You know, somebody sitting in front of you telling you his story about what he needs, but your mind is asking, is he genuine? Because none of us wants to be deceived. You want to be sure that the person you are helping is actually truthful. But deception has become so much a part of needy people, and they have conned so many people that it makes it difficult for genuine need to be identified. I mean, sometimes you walk by the roadside and you see all these people begging. And you know they are not genuine. They are not genuine. You see somebody, I, there's a particular woman I used to follow. You know, I used to just be generous. And she has a baby and the baby never grows. <laughs> the baby never grows. And at the point I said, ah, well, can't, isn't this baby growing? I got to know she's just borrowing babies. Borrowing babies. Borrowing babies. You know, you see that then you decide these people are all crooks. They are not all crooks, but deception can cut the bowels of mercy. Because none of us wants to be deceived. And in the church, sometimes you have deception. People who lie and deceive and give false information just to get a benefit. And when you discover that, it makes you not want to help anybody. If you really want a church of generosity, let's deal with deception. And when you find somebody is being deceptive, let it be known. Because if we can cure deception, generosity will flow. The second thing we have to watch out for and deal with is stealing. Stealing is taking things without permission. No matter how needy you are, you don't have a right to steal. Your need does not qualify you to steal. To take things without permission. To go behind and take what doesn't belong to you. Stealing. Sometimes people who are being helped steal. Steal. You employ somebody, he steals. You meet somebody in the church that needs a job, you give him a job, stealing. And sometimes the church people are the ones who steal the most. When we see stealing, we must report it because what it does is it kills the spirit of generosity. There are many church leaders who have spoken to me, I've lost hope. Because I employ church people, they come and they steal. They come and they steal. And you trust him as a church member, he colludes with other people to steal. And you were so poor, you needed help, somebody helps you, and you're stealing. Stealing. The third thing we have to watch out is the spirit of greed. Greed is when you selfishly grab everything. When you receive an offer for help, of help, don't exploit it. Somebody helps you, don't take advantage of it and want to milk the person some more. When there is opportunity for help, don't try to take it all by your, for yourself. You know, it's amazing sometimes you see people who are hungry and, and food is being served them. They are hungry. 
they didn't have food and food is being served them and they're all rushing on the server and 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 they're trying to grab some one person want to pick up the whole bowl and run with it and they fight over it and the whole food spills you are hungry somebody wants to help you and you want to get help but you don't want the other person to be helped the macedonian spirit says if I'm hungry and help comes, I want to be served, but I want my neighbor to get it first. Why can't we do an orderly line, a queue, and receive? Somebody says, well, but if I stay in the line, it will not reach my turn and the food will be finished. Yes, it didn't reach your turn, but it reached somebody's turn. Aren't you happy that there were 20 hungry, but today it's only 10 who are hungry? That half of them were served and half were not served? And can't you wait that God will also make a way for you? You wish that we all lose it instead of 10 having it and 10 not having it? The spirit of greed. And I've seen it many times even in this church. Greed. Greed. If I announce after church, oh, there is rice on the lawn, and there, and then just go and take what you need. People go and fight over the rice and spill it on the floor for the floor which is not hungry to have the rice. <laughs> and who gains? Just greed. Sometimes it's so sad, it's so painful. I remember when we were having our church anniversary this year, 30th anniversary, we did a church party here, remember that? We cooked enough food for everybody and people were hiding food. People were stealing food. And you find somebody is supposed to distribute the food and he's, he's stalling the food. Hiding a, a barrel of rice. What are you going to do with a barrel of rice? greed so the next time you think of it you say well let's not do it because people will steal and people are greedy that's why generosity doesn't work here because there are people who are generous but people are greedy they are stealing and they are deceptive if we're going to have generosity we have to deal with deception deal with stealing and deal with greed The fourth thing we have to deal with if there's going to be generosity is we have to deal with laziness. Unwillingness to work. Don't say, well, the church is starting a storehouse now, so now I'm going to wait every month. I'll wait for my distribution. No, you have to work. Help is not to promote laziness and dependency. Help is just to fix you in the time of crisis so you can continue living your life. It's not to take over your life. It's so that you can just know that in times of emergency, of crisis, there is help for you. Not being lazy, sit at home doing nothing and just hoping to be helped. The Bible doesn't encourage laziness. The Bible actually says he who does not work must not eat. Must not, not should not be giving food must not eat that means if you don't work and you are lazy and you are giving food you must not eat it <laughs> you don't have to eat because it's an insult 
on God who created you with gifts and talent and two hands and two legs and gave you a head and eyes and ability and you don't use it that's a dishonor to your creator laziness makes it difficult for people to help sometimes you help somebody help 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 and you see the person is not making any effort to change their circumstance it kills generosity and the final one ingratitude that's the big one not showing appreciation there are people who have a sense of entitlement they feel the one who has and uh, is blessed is under obligation to help them as a result they do not appreciate what people do for them and they belittle the help they receive there are people who, who look at people and feel well he's rich so you go to him and you say uh, I, I want a thousand cities sir to do so and so and so the person says well you know uh, for now today I don't have a thousand I can give you fifty now he gives you fifty and instead of being glad that you came empty and now you have fifty you leave his presence insulting him look at him he's living in his big house and it's, it's, it's only fifty you can only fifty well if it is only fifty why didn't you have it yourself why didn't you have it yourself listen to me anything that somebody gives you that you didn't work for should be appreciated if somebody gives you one CD thank God for that don't just say that CD CD pair only, only one CD only one what do I do with one CD return it because there are people who are poor but they have foolish pride and have no appreciation for any help somebody has helped you with their own money that they work for you may think it's small but you know sometimes you assume somebody has a lot but you don't really know his circumstance and remember the person you think has a lot you are not the only one he's helping for some people are helping 20 people 30 people they can't give all of you the same they have to spread it so if you get the little show appreciation and one thing I can guarantee you when you show appreciation people want to do more when you show appreciation they want to do more there is nothing in life that gratifies a giver than to know that what he does is appreciated because when you know it's appreciated the next time you are encouraged to do more but you give the person, you look at his face and you see the person's face that there's no appreciation. The person leaves. Next time he comes, zero. If 20 was nothing and 50 was nothing, now I'll let you know what nothing is. Ingratitude. We're starting a major project in this church. We're going to start and start a storehouse my vision my dream as a pastor i've been down before i know hardship i know difficulty i know what it is to sleep without food i know what it is to to follow your parents around your mother around just looking for help i know what it is to go home and find there's nothing 
But my desire is that no member of this church should go home and sleep without their daily bread. The prayer of Jesus must be answered. Give us this day our daily bread. And in this church we have the capacity, don't you think so? We have the capacity, we may not be able to solve all the problems, but as for daily bread, I think we have the capacity to make sure that everybody in this house has their daily bread. And I just want to encourage you, let's give, let's be generous, and for those of you who, who will have the opportunity to be served and to, to receive, please don't be greedy. Don't show ingratitude, don't steal, and don't deceive. God knows your need. God knows where you are. And this probably is an answer to prayer you've been praying. That God spoke to your pastor to start this process. Don't sabotage it. And let's allow the grace of God to work in our lives. And let's see that we build a Macedonian church, a Dorcas ministry here, and a Samaritan church in the glory of God. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen and amen.